What is homeboy's email address? You should you could set up your your stuff on. I'm streaming now to the page. I'm streaming now to the Facebook page now, so you can set up. You are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got a countdown clock up. So they can see us now. No, no, they just see the clock. Did you get a notification? I just figured this would give you all time to set up your watch parties. Share it.
things now. Watch all these. I mean, fishing today, boy. I'll be blocking it all. Yeah, I got a well, I got a, a new program from the old one that I was using, mm-hmm. so it's allowing me to do a lot more things easier. Like I, I had to when I had a countdown clock before, I had to make it. Right. Now it kind of comes as a plugin. That's nice though. That's that's yeah. that's 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 real. So how does that work with you on Facebook? You say it's live on the video you see it on your phone. You see that? You see that? Huh? As a live on your live. Yeah. Now, do you think we should be going at twenty minutes or ten minutes? No, could be popping on at uh. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. but I'm saying, well, getting people ready and stuff. Mm-hmm. And all of this is live stream. Before now, does the clock still when the show comes on? The show is included with the clock. The clock goes, and then it it'll goes be, away. But mm-hmm. it, when people are watching it, will it be like a clock, like saying how long we up for, or like a time clock? Right. So would it say we were near an hour and twenty minutes? No. Uh-uh. Okay. Oh, yeah, I saw that.
Okay, I'll defer them all. Hmm? He was. Oh, that, oh, you, oh he's, you, you, that's when you're shot. Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh, we have stuff up on the American Art Association website that says that. Uh,
Let me get a mic check. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we hear you. Okay, good. Back booth. Oh, yeah. Okay. Stand the man. Right. Hey, Craig.
Yep, yep, we're in the building. Let me get that up a little bit. Hey. Yeah, the One Night You Show, we here. Every Sunday at 4 o'clock, and I guess this Sunday we actually started on time, so that was kind of cool. I wasn't mad at that. <laughs> we introduced a new countdown clock. Try to give you all time, early notification. Yeah, we got a great show. Stay tuned. Get your watch party started. Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend, and tell a friend. Hey. Right, we got a healthy stream. Not really sure what's going on with Zoom, though. That's a little kooky. Hey! Mr. Boothbox, are you moving and aware and all of that, or are you frozen too? Good, you're not frozen. Okay, I just needed you to move. I know we can't hear you yet. (laughs) We frozen though. I guess because it's cold outside, so we froze. But we still got you. It wasn't calling the number anyway. <laughs> I'm promoting. You know what I'm saying? We gonna keep it going. I'm gonna crack the mic, y'all. Yeah, so we open. It's the one night you show. One night you one night, sir. Yeah, we in the building. Yeah. This show is being recorded as usual. Word up. One, two, three, and bomb. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Once again, we're going to welcome to the One Night You Show, and we are here in the building, and we actually started on time, mm. and I know some of y'all ain't accustomed to that. Y'all be like, eh, I can tune about, you know, 420 or so, because we know they don't really sign on, but today, we are on time, people. Right on time. Oh, my yeah, thing's okay. Hey, what's up, Monica Underwood? I see Monica Underwood popped in the building. Steve <laughs> Lightsey popped in the building. Robert, Steve, yes, yeah, Steve. Robert right. Scott Sr.'s in the building. I see right. you. You know what I'm saying? And make yeah. sure you know y'all hit the chats or whatever. We got some new technology going on here in the room. And, uh, you know, it's been a big week. It's been a big week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, you know, i just been kind of working on the studio and uh, using the new software. So right now we are streaming live to Facebook. Uh, Twitch and uh, YouTube live all at the same time. So that's kind of like a new thing yes. that I've been doing, you know what I'm saying, um, to try to expand the brand, you know. Um, in the next couple of weeks, probably by next week, really, we're going to um, start, like, running actual commercials and stuff. Okay. So, you know, like, at 15, we run a commercial, like, commercial commercials. Okay. Right? 
and we're going to start doing stuff like that and kind of we're going to bring it more TV. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I want to do more TV. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to do that. And um, other than that, uh, my week has been sort of uh, uneventful because I've been down here in the dungeon really just trying to improve the situation. And, you know, I feel like we've mastered what we've done. Right. Right. Now it's time to elevate. Absolutely. And um, I know some of y'all might have caught it. I did a commercial for the real discussion with Rock Logic Mm -hmm. that I ran. So we're going to start doing like pre you know, promotion, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So we'll do a commercial that will run for a week before the show. That's how you do it. And what we're yeah. doing, you know what I'm saying? Right. So we'll do that, you know, and then that's kind of new things that we're doing here at Boardwalk Global Media. Sandrea Coleman, what have you been up to this week, my dear? Hey, greetings all, greetings all. It's good to be back in the building. We had a week off, so just give you some quick updates on how my last two weeks were consolidated. Um, a normal check-in, on seniors, neighbors, to ensure they have enough PPE supply on hand. Um, On Thanksgiving Day, I received a call from the Isaac Center that they had an abundance of meals uh, left over that were prepared. I grabbed my shopping cart, and I ran out to um, deliver some meals to residents. I finished that up in a few minutes and then went back upstairs to finish my cooking. Uh, This week, uh, Thursday, uh, that just passed, um, I had an initiative with the council member, Ben Kalos, and the Isaac Center. We were passing, passing our PPE in our courtyard. And then that evening, the Holmes Isaac Coalition had a very productive uh, virtual meeting Beautiful. and informative with our attorneys from Take Root Justice. Shout out to them, our comrades from the Justice Center in O'Barrio. Yes, sir. Uh, executive directors and staff from the Isaac Center, some residents. And we have representation from Chelsea area as well that support Fulton Houses. So and nice. shout out to Fulton right. Houses because they had an action today. <laughs> as they're fighting against privatization red. Yes. Uh, so that's a good thing. Um, today uh, makes 188 days straight for the U.S. for BLM vigil. Y'all, y'all are doing that still. Yeah, which we uh, started uh, on June 2nd. Right. Um, I, I, w- I want to know, is is the attendance still, like, heavy? You guys doing good sometimes attendance? Sometimes it might be 30, 40. Sometimes that's it might great. be 20, but it's okay. It's going. It's still there, yeah. I love yeah, it. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's dedication and yeah. that's strong. Since June 2nd. So yeah, nice. still going on. Um, that's at 7 p.m. nightly. Mm-hmm. Nightly. Uh, at Carl Schultz Park, uh, East 86th Street and Eastern Avenue. That's in Manhattan, and I am one of the organizers. Uh, lastly, I would like to uh, highlight a part of our show that we will be doing uh, called Where Are They Now? And that's going to just showcase some uh, candidates that we have because we bring candidates before you. So we only have one to report on as of now that uh, showed up because they were in the twenty. Uh, 20 election for the assembly district uh, 76, which was uh, Patrick Boblin. Uh, sadly, he got kicked off the ballot, and he mm. wasn't able Ooh. to. Um, yeah, he wasn't even in the. Um, he was on the absentee ballots, but not on the regular ones when you went in to vote. But with that said, you know um, that happens, and keep your eyes out for the 2021 elections, which are big. And I just want to also highlight: keep your eyes on the Georgia race. Um, Democrats, you know, we definitely, uh, if you're a Democrat, you want to, you want us to retain those two seats, get those two seats. And you know that the tiebreaker would be no other than the vice president elect Kamala Harris. Isn't that something? So, yeah, so that's it. And Um, just so y'all are clear, right? If you want Joe Biden's presidency to go well, then you want to make sure that you help him. You know what I'm saying? By voting. Yeah. 
you know, so, to get to get control so of the Senate. Shout out to Georgia, y'all doing it. So yeah, they're going hard. That was my my week and a half, two weeks. Right, let me check on my man Stan Morris, but I mean, just um, as a disclosure, I'm wearing a shirt and it's pronounced Phuket. Okay. okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just I just want to make sure you understand. That, mean? <laughs> that is a, that is a town in uh, Thailand. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it's called Phuket. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, okay. I know some of y'all read the yeah, shirt okay. going, "What kind of shirt is that he's wearing?" Yeah, we know what it says. Yeah. All right. We going. We got to get clear. It says. We know what it says. It says Phuket. Yeah. But All you're right. wearing it, so we know. What it says. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Stan. Yeah, man. What's going on, man? What's happening this week? How's the campaign going? Uh, the campaign is going well. A uh, big shout out to my man John Coleman um, and some of my friends yeah. from college. My coach um, reached out to me and, and my man Pete Reinke, who I went to school with. So we are um, going to have a fundraising initiative with a lot of my um, college folks, awesome. college friends. You know, so I'm very excited about that. A lot of them are here in New York City doing big things. You know, so I'm uh, looking forward to uh, raising a lot of funds with my with my college my college awesome. friends. So I'm pretty excited right. about that. Great. You know, but as for the, the work, the organizing work, we're going to be pursuing our lawsuit against Queensbiz North. So the attorneys, Robert Sanderman, is now contacting residents to really put that together. Then once the lawsuit happens against Queensbiz North, we're going to sue Queensbiz South, mm. also Ravenswood, and Astoria. You know? Oh, and so I'm so mad right now. Why? Because I had that piece where you was on TV. Oh, yeah, with Monica Morales? Yeah, yeah, yeah. when you was on Channel 11 yeah, this week. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was, ah, was. was going to play that before the oh, show. I, I have it on my phone. Ah, so maybe, well, yeah. Tell us I, about ah, it. Go ahead, please. Well, that was yeah, incredible. Monica, she came, because um, unfortunately, there's folks in Queensbridge that don't have heat. Right. You know, so I wasn't really planning on being on TV. Monica was there doing the story. And um, one of the residents just said, hey, you know, Monica's over there. You should go over there and, and talk to her. Mm. So I went and spoke and um, kind of kind of let folks know again that during the pandemic, it is outrageous that people are living without heat, you know, and also yeah. people without gas. Yes. You know, so how is it that you expect people to survive? You know, when you live, when they live in apartments that are really uninhabitable, you know, so we was able to talk a little bit about that. And this is the reason why we're having the lawsuit, and I want to say to Greg Russ, if you're listening, or anybody mm. from NYCHA, your pilot program is not working. You know, wow. I've been to Astoria, I've been to Ravenswood, I've been to Queensbridge, all these um, places where they say the program is taking place. Mm. Where they're supposed to have skilled workers, and it's supposed to be better now, where, you, where a resident can go into an office and really get an appointment, so they said, to get something done. Mm. But I've gone down there with residents, and this is, it's the same old around. Wow. They tell residents, we're going we're gonna to call you, but they don't call. You know, so folks are still sitting there not getting the repairs done. So Greg Russ, the mayor, the mm-hmm. governor, your program is not working. I yeah. can tell you straight from my from my own view, mm-hmm. myself. You know, so we're gonna Ridiculous. be moving forward with the lawsuit uh, to really hold them accountable with that. Good. And also, want to let folks know we're having a big meeting tomorrow night on Zoom. So I'm gonna read out the number. The Zoom number is uh, what is it here? It's nine two nine four three six two eight six six. Say it again. Nine two nine four three six 2866. The meeting ID is 862-3944-3810. And the password is 892114. We could drop it in the chat. Yeah, we could drop it in the chat. The reason why we're having this meeting is um, they're moving forward quickly with this blueprint. Right. You know, and they're really trying to put an end to public housing, Mm -hmm. you know, directly. You know, and and if it goes forward, there's no going back. Mm -hmm. But if this is to go forward, and they're trying to really do it by next year, it Mm -hmm. appears then there will be no more public housing. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're going to have a teaching where folks can get involved and understand that the, the way to stop this is do your state senator. So Mike Giannavis and Costa, who's in my district, if you're watching, we're coming for you. 
Mm. You know, because the state senators can kill yeah. this and keep it from moving forward. Robert okay. Rodriguez. Right. So yeah. we're going to be calling out state senators yeah. going forward. So everyone, mm -hmm. whether you live in NYCHA or not, now mm -hmm. you can be in this fight because you mm -hmm. could pressure the state senators to not vote for this blueprint. Mm -hmm. And for those cool. that know, don't know, the blueprint is really the privatization of NYCHA. Mm -hmm. They may call it something different yeah. or they're trying to fool folks and make right. it seem like it's a public thing. But mm -hmm. no, it's privatizing NYCHA. Right. And we do not want that. We don't want to go down that mm -hmm. road. What we want is for people to really fund, fully fund NYCHA exactly. as they should. That's right. really what should be happening instead of all these um, schemes and scams exactly. that Something they're coming new, up right. with. They always kind of leave us out. So we're yes. going to be fighting. Join us. Uh, whether you are a NYCHA resident or not, we're yeah. going to have Kristen Hackett, mm -hmm. um, our co-campaign manager, um, is going to be doing the teaching. Okay. Uh, very knowledgeable. You know, cool. So we're gonna, we want you guys to join. And last but not least, um, on the bottom of the screen, if you want to donate to my campaign, the information is there. You know, and I just say for folks, all those who are running, it's a challenge. You know, so I, my hat, I take my hat off to everyone that actually into into the race to run because it's difficult. You yeah. know, and now that I'm in it, I can tell you how difficult it is. You know, so for those who are watching, uh, definitely donate to the campaign so a, a grassroots campaign can have a chance to win in in this city, and we're gonna win. All right. Fair enough. Shauna K. Who's that lady? Right, what's happening? You're the number one intern. You're the number one Niger intern. Absolutely. Slash Forever. Field reporter. I love it. I love it. Field reporting. How's everything going? How's your week been? Hey guys, how you doing? My week pretty much was, you know, different. Like I was working closely with Stan this week. You know, he asked me to be his independent contractor on his campaign, so I'll be, like, mm -hmm. in charge of, like, you know, getting funding and just finding different avenues awesome. to enhance his campaign. Mm -hmm. Also, this week, um, just to touch on when he said that he went to um, the management office and, you know, we had a discussion with one of the, the you know, sub-landlords that was there, he was pretty much just saying that, you know, because Stan asked him about that blueprint program, uh -huh. and he was, he's new, so he was pretty much just gathering his bearings around to it as to, you know, he didn't get any much information on it as yet, but then right. we was just pretty much talking to a tenant who, you know, she'd been living in the building for 30 years and she still haven't gotten the appropriate pictures. So mm -hmm. that's my concern, as like what Stan just said just now, that we need to make sure that certain things get done for them. It's getting cold. They have to be in a safe space. Yeah. Got you. Okay, well, cool. All right, so now we know what's going on. And that has been the week, and that's what it is. And mm. now it's time for us to get down with the show. Yes. Right? <laughs> and we have a special guest. Stan, who's the special guest that's... Uh, Coming on, you can do the introduction. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, the special guest for the day is my, my good friend Craig Booth, mm. who is putting putting together an amazing documentary called Ballside Middle, mm. which shows and talks about the um, basketball era of 1975 to 1985 in Brooklyn, uh, where a lot of folks um, came out and went to the NBA. Mm. A lot of folks went to college like myself. Um, but more importantly than that, it really brought the community together. You know, we had uh, Mike Senior on the show um, a couple of weeks ago yeah. and Larry Williams. So we kind of talked about how it was in Lafayette Gardens. But, but Craig is talking about the entire borough mm -hmm. of Brooklyn, okay. you know, and all the stars that came out. But really the community building, the basketball was for a community. Well, so just Craig's to give you a quick update, Rodney Jones says... Queensbridge North, 40-04, 12th Street, no heat right now. Wow. So that's so, happening right now. This is insane. You know, so um, actually, I'm actually calling Monica again. You know, that they said it was sort of bizarre, but obviously it's not. So Ridiculous. we're going to have to keep pressuring them to find out what's going on. Mm -hmm. We got to go to the media for yeah, help. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. So Craig, yes, again, so Craig is Craig, the, what's the up, man? You sitting there quiet. So go on, Craig. Tell me about oh, the documentary. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm multitasking. I got mm. the Giants game on right behind me. Uh -oh. <laughs> Are we winning? The Giants winning or losing? 
Nah, we down 3 0. Oh, Lord. Defensive stop at the end against Seattle, but it's going to be a tough game for them. I, I don't know why y'all have so high, so these high hopes for the Giants. I don't well, understand. They, they, it's, they like, there, it's, like, it's like being a Mets fan. You know well, what I'm saying? Like you're having, and you're disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like being disappointed at the end of the season. I'm trying, I'm trying to keep my hopes up. I'm trying to keep my hopes up. Living, I don't live in New York City anymore, so you know, I got to keep my New York flavor all day long. So okay. watch the Giants. Just the Mets, the Yankees, the Knicks. Okay. Oh, not necessarily saying I'm a fan, mm-hmm. but I respect it. You You're know, New York. So I gotta watch it. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Shout out for that. We gonna get up for that man. <laughs> so, so Craig, tell tell everybody about this um incredible documentary yes. and why you decided to do a documentary documenting the um, the basketball ever of 1975 and 85 in Brooklyn. Uh, first and foremost, thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Um, listening to just the opening and, and what you guys are doing as far as uh, being involved in the community and, and really concerning about the community. And this format and this ability to stream in multiple ways is commendable. So I like to, you know, once one thank you, and then secondly, you know, just give you your props for what you're doing and stand. You know, I pray and, and hope that you are victorious. Thank you, brother. And you're, and you're uh, seeking out to be. I, I thought it was odd because you're a Brooklyn guy, but you know, New York is New York. New York is New York. Always Brooklyn, though. Okay, correct. I like that you're zeroing in. Mm-hmm. Regarding the um, documentary, it, it really was something I've never done before. Uh, I've authored a book about uh, about seven years ago, okay. and the book was a little bit about my life growing up in Brooklyn, and um, I just wanted to, to, to cement sort of what happened in my life, because, you know, you go to someone's funeral, and they're going to tell their experiences with you. So mm-hmm. I said, well, let me tell my own experiences through a book. And so my high school coach told me I didn't go deep enough into the basketball because I'm a basketball coach. I'm a referee. I'm a former player, college player, just like Stan. So um, my uh, coach said, you know, what about your basketball life? You you really haven't talked about it. And he was a little, you know, disappointed that I didn't go deep. And so I was getting ready with COVID hit. I said, this is a perfect opportunity. Let me go ahead and write the book. And then my daughter and, and, and her friend, who are filmmakers and they've done documentaries and okay. different shorts and different things of that nature said the odd part about this era that I'm focused on, which is pivotal 75 to 85 was there was nothing really on film. Mm. And they said, if you're going to talk about that history, then you should film it and you should, you know, do everything in your power to recreate that history or tell that history through film. Mm. And then that way the legacies will be more cemented. So that was the sort of introduction into filming, but I didn't know whether or not a film would be of interest. So I did, you know, a, a Facebook documentary page just to see who would be interested. It's like a proof of concept. And man, that Facebook page blew up to, to a, a culture. I mean, it opened up a community. It opened up, you know, I always say it like awakened everybody, opened up Pandora's box. The next thing you know, everybody's talking and sharing pictures and stories and, and just excited. And it just energized the whole project. The challenge was, of course, it was COVID and we needed to interview people. So, you know, we took our prayers and got on our knees and prayed and mm-hmm. we came out to the community. Mm-hmm. And we started filming in June and we completed filming probably 
sometime in October. But um, it started out as a one-hour documentary, and as the content built, it is now a four-hour documentary, four-part wow. series. Awesome. And so um, why that particular era? One, it wasn't filmed. Two, it was the most successful era of basketball players from Brooklyn reaching to the highest levels, the NBA. But then also, it was a very important era because we had so much adversity growing up. Uh, one, there was something called desegregation busing, right. where uh, we were all bused from out of our communities. At the time I was bused, I lived in Flatbush, and then I moved to East New York and continued to be bused. Uh, busting, busing involved us going into communities of hate. They did not want us there. Uh, we were called niggas every day. Mm. We were jumped. We were chased home. Um, I just want to ask you, what, what, what community were you bused to? So I was bused first to Roy H. Mann Junior High School, which is right behind King's Plaza. Okay. So I had to take two buses from... And what neighborhood is that? Excuse me? What neighborhood is that? That's called um, Garrison Bay, I believe. Okay, okay. Yeah, I okay. don't know what it's called today. <clears throat> yeah, okay. But we went out there and filmed. We did go out there, and the community... Right now, it's probably it's a, it's a biracial community. Mm. A lot of Russian people live out there now. Uh, okay. But it's it's if you went down Flappish Avenue to Avenue N, and then took Avenue N way out, or not another two miles out, you would be right in that community, Roychman Junior High School, I-78. Mm. Um, then in high school, I was bused from East New York to South Shore High School. Mm. And so those... Those years from 12 years old to 17 years old, I, I dealt with some racial mm. elements that was really, really scary. But I wasn't the only one that was experiencing that. You know, we talk about the community, and this is important for the documentary, is that the lack of investment in our educational programs or education, uh, Brownsville not having a high school back in those, uh, those days, and you had over 50,000 people living in Brownsville with no high school. Mm. You also had just uh, in Bethesda Stuyvesant, you had two high schools, Alexander Hamilton, Boys and Girls High. And then in East New York, you had one high school. And I and was Jefferson. And well, you had Maxwell too. So you had two high schools. But on the boys' side, you only had one high school. So you're talking about communities. If you put those three communities together, you had about 600,000 people with about four high schools. I live in a community here in Virginia with 120,000 people, and we got five high schools. Wow. So it, it just showed you that there was no no intent to invest in us and build schools in our communities. So they bust us, and the busing was supposed to be two-way. Mm. Uh, Hold on, Bruce. Hold right busing. there. Hold right there for one second, because I like to acknowledge people when they hit the chat room, especially when it's about a guest. And Les Miller says, sup, Booth? Ah. <laughs> uh, that's my brother. <laughs> so I just, because I don't want them to jump back out and think that we're not acknowledging them. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah I want to let them know. Yeah, they, yeah, I let them know, Les. I let them know. I let them know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What yeah. up, Les? So, so the busing, uh, the, white, the white students or the white families, they did not want their children to be bused into the black communities of to course. those few schools like a Midwood and, and Erasmus and schools like that. So what they did was, they did what something called white flight. Mm -hmm. So they either moved to the suburbs in New Jersey or they went to private schools. They had the resources to build private schools and Catholic schools and, and schools of that nature. So imagine 
leaving your, your so, sort of your impoverished neighborhood, especially like Bedford Stuyvesant at the time in the 70s was the number two, was not ranked number two as the worst neighborhood in the country. Wow. So this was crazy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, back then you had gangs, you had poverty, you had just a lot of, you know, social injustice. And you're leaving the gangs, then you get on these buses at 12 and 13 years old, and you're talking about New York City public transportation with strangers, adults, who knows what could have been on that bus, right. but you're on that bus and you ride in a two-fair zone to go to a high school where they were waiting with baseball bats and everything yeah. to hurt wow. you. Wow. And then we had to compete and play ball at a very high level, which we did, despite all the craziness. For that school. You know, 74, Lafayette High School, which was known as one of the most racist high schools, mm. Bensonhurst, but they were the number one high school team in the country. Right, in right. 74. And then in 75, the very next year, Canarsie High School, which was also mm -hmm. a lot of racial conflict there, was the yep. number one high school in the country the very next year. So I got to ask you something with this, right? Because now you're playing for a school that doesn't like you, right? Exactly. Is that correct? Exactly. Okay, so... Did you, I mean, what was it like in the games? You know what I'm saying? So now you, you, you're going to play the game and you're representing the school. What was it like? I mean, did, did they treat you any different or anything because you were representing the school team? Or was it just like, ah, you know, nigga? Right. It, 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 was, it, was a, it was definitely a chair for us, without question. Okay. Definitely chair for us. Very proud that, you know, we were out there winning games. All these schools, South Shore, Canarsie, Lafayette, okay. New Utrecht. Um, but the, the interesting thing was, and you'll hear with some of the testimony in the film, uh, guys were saying, man, you were chasing me home every day after practice, and then you come into my game chair for me, or you're in my classroom. Right. What's up? Yes, that, that was happening. Uh, I just want to acknowledge Eric Short said, my point guard, um, Alfonso Solomon said, hey, Booth. Yeah, yeah, people, people are feeling you right now. That was your people. Yeah, Eric. So let me just say real quick, Eric Short is one of the producers uh, of the film, okay. and he's our curator. All so right, Eric give is him, give him some. phenomenal yeah. in grabbing a lot of the data <laughs> to tell the story. But Eric also uh, was a phenomenal player back in the day as well. Mm. And he came from Bedford-Stuyvesant over to uh, Midwood High School, and he's one of the top players in Brooklyn. Les Miller was one of the top players his senior year out of Brooklyn Tech. So these are good guys. Al Solomon went to high school with me. So he's probably feeling that South Shore racial thing I'm right. you know, talking about. Uh, and now you can talk them. about it in the chat room if you want. We see you. Um, okay. So, so, I, so I, I just want to swing back just a little bit. So sure. the people that were cheering for you at the game were the people that were chasing you. Yes. That's, that's crazy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. Because the thing was, it's sort of like mm. in today's society. As long as we're entertaining you, exactly. whether it's right. on the field or in, right. in, a, in a concert or something to that effect, we're, we're good with you. Exactly. I mean, Spike Lee caught it real well in Do the Right Thing. Come on. You know, that one scene where he said, who's your favorite baseball player? Who's mm. your favorite basketball mm. player? You know, and, and he says, why are they not niggas? You know, he said, they're different. Mm. So for the moment in time when you were an athlete, you were considered different. Yep. Now, now, the other interesting thing was those guys that were not bust and they were playing in their communities, but they still had to go out to those communities and they were, had to, they were fearful mm. that they would get hurt, you know? So yep. they always 
stuck together. Nobody moved as one. You always moved in groups. So and now this, this sort of brings up an interesting people. question. I got to hit you now because now you're bringing something up. So now you're with the white school. Yep. You're playing a black school. Yep. And they're playing at your school. How does that work out? Because now, you know, now they're going to chase them too. Like, how, how does that work? Right, I'm ready. Right. It's the intimidation factor, right? So, <laughs> typically, and you know, the games back in those days were at night. So, they weren't, they weren't day games. A lot of the games were at night. A lot of the games happened, you know, 6, 7 o'clock at night until I think like after 82, 83, they started going to day games. There was too many issues. But... Those kids would have to get on public transportation. Yep. Luckily, it was in the daytime, 3, 3.30. They travel to the to the school that they got to play at. And then, all of a sudden, they get through the game, but now they got to go home. But they'll tell you, and you'll hear this on the film, we did not, we said, listen, if you're going to come out this, it's going to be at least 10 or 12 of us. And you'll get some spectators, too. So people were prepared that if they went to Lafayette or if they went to New Utrecht, that they may, something may go down. Mm, and, yep. and and if something goes down, then they're prepared to fight their way back home. Wow. I recall in 10th grade, we went to New Utrecht and we took a bus way out there doing, ultimately we had to take a train, but we had to take the bus to the train out there in Bay Ridge somewhere. Mm-hmm. We're waiting on a bus stop and uh, some white guy jumped out a van with crowbars, ready to chase. We, we 14 years old, 15 oh, years old. Gosh. Chased us into a pharmacy. We in a, we in a pharmacy. We on the floor hiding. Mm. The store owner said, what are y'all doing? Now, you see about eight, nine black kids hiding in the store. Sure. And so he took us. He said, what? He said they're trying to kill us. They're trying to beat us up. So we go out, and, and they, they came up, and, and God bless this man. He, he defended us. He said, wow. y'all leave him alone. They're just trying to go to a game. Y'all leave them alone. And so they said, oh, we just want to scare them. So <laughs> they scared us. And we, we get to the game. We hoop. We beat them. And then we told Coach, yo, we ain't taking the train back home. That's it's right. nighttime now. Mm-hmm. And so Coach, God, I love this guy. He, he put us in his car, like eight of us. Mm. And, and another coach took another five or six of us. Wow. And, and we got back to the hood. Wow. And this is the type of thing that was just a part of the process. Mm-hmm. But what's sad about it is, you know, when I reflect that when I left my junior high school, I didn't step foot on that, that ground until 30 years later. Wow. Because the racism was so, so in my core, it, it hurt me so much that I didn't ever want to step foot on that school. I didn't care about that school. You know, and I've had more stories, just my own personal stories, but I wanted to bring the fellas in and tell their perspectives as well. And we got it. Wow. And we got all that. So that was that was adversity. But then you gotta go home and now you got the Tomahawks and Jolly Stopping. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now you're back with yeah, 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 yeah. You got dumb. Yep. Now, wow. fortunately, if you could hoop and you was committed, they left you alone. They wow. were your protectors, they wow. were your support. So when we talk about ball side middle, we talk about that ball saving our life. Mm. It gave us a distraction from, you know, not knowing we were poor, not mm. knowing we didn't have food in our stomach, okay. not, you know, dealing with the racism. We just mm. kept balling. Wow. We, we, yes. we just kept going because the ball was distracting us. The ball was giving us something to do. It was giving us a purpose. But cool. then on the side, wow. it was those gang members protecting us. 
course, we had community coaches, which we see today. We don't have it. Yep. There's mm. very few community coaches out there. We mm. had swarms of community coaches, mm. guys that were not doing this for a Nike deal or Adidas deal. They were just doing this because they yep. cared. Yeah. Talk about and it. So Thank we want to celebrate yep. their lives. Some are here awesome. and some are not here anymore. Wow. So that was important. But that side support mm-hmm. was, was, was ridiculous. And then when you go down the middle, mm-hmm. the middle is driving it home. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what's, what's in your, within your DNA, your core. It stays okay. with you. And as long as it stays with you, you understand that that ball can take you places. Wow. It can take you all over the country. Mm-hmm. Like Stan, full scholarship, was yep. able to go out and, and play all over the place. And that's why he's able to come back to the community and do things because he saw how other people in this world were living. Mm-hmm. We all took that ball places or it took us to places and we come back and we're able to share that. So mm-hmm. ball side middle, although a basketball drill in Brooklyn, is really how we are metaphorically kind of sharing our stories during that period. Yes, wow. I just share a story, Craig. Uh, we won a, 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 cha- a Christmas tournament and it was in Bensonhurst. And uh, I mm-hmm. remember being chased out of that gym onto a bus, me and my team. And uh, then the folks were chasing us down the street. They actually threw bottles onto the bus and, and we couldn't, couldn't get out, the cops came. Instead of the cops really going after the crowd, they was looking at us like we were doing something wrong. And we yep. were literally running for our lives. You know, so you turn the truth, Craig. I remember that. It was wow. it was crazy. Crazy. And you gotta think about how young you were, right? Yeah. Wow. You know, you think about that. Like you really you said the exact words that I say all the time. We was running for our lives. Yes. Mm. We really felt death. We felt we were gonna get killed. Yeah. Crazy. Now I had to deal with that every day from mm. sixth, seventh grade, eighth grade, all the way through twelfth grade. Right. Wow. And it's documented in nineteen eighty there was a riot, many riots in nineteen eighty because they had proposed not to have sports in school. I don't know if you remember that stand. Mm. Right. Uh, in the fall, they said we didn't have the budget. And yeah. they were cut sports. And of course, the entire community, all the high schools, decided to walk out as mm-hmm. a sign of protest. Awesome. So the first day of protest at South Shore was quiet. Second day, protests happening in South Shore. The front of the school was all white, and the back of the school was all black. Mm. So if you were black, you did not go through the front of the school, mm. and if you were white, you did not go through the back of the school. Wow. It was territorial. Now that's sad. You're in a high school. You can't walk through the front doors mm. because if you went through the front doors, it had to be very early morning before the first period. But after the first period, like say it was your lunch break, you want to go across the street to Burger King, you couldn't do that because you had a risk Crazy. of being jumped. Mm. So, wow. so when we had the riot, um, they they started beating up females, sisters, wow. sisters getting beat up, and it became a big thing. They shut our school down for two days. Wow. And wow. so these are things that were just like the community, the neighborhoods. So not even the kids in the school, kids in the school weren't as violent because they didn't want to fight every day. Mm. But the neighborhood, oh my God. <laughs> that's that that's right. The grown folk, yeah. the grown folk, 25, 30 year old yep. people, grown wow. men, get out, get out of here, nigga. Yeah. Yeah. They were yep. so fearful of us moving in. Community. You know what's and crazy about that? That you brought that up. I want to I wanna talk to you about that real quick. Because you're absolutely right. Because I suffered the same thing in the Bronx. I went to Christopher Columbus High School in the Bronx. And that was uh, the, um, uh, what those people? The Italians and the um, Croatians and uh, uh, another, Albanians, right? And they were all up there. And I was coming out of 
the South Bronx to go to school up there. And you're absolutely right. And it, it, it struck a thing with me because, you know, the, 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 there were the kids in school that were, that were doing things. You know what I'm saying? And, and I was adamant about I wasn't going to be, I was very, what's the word, passionate about racism. Right. So I would fight, you know, pretty much daily, you know what I'm saying, to, you know, to, to fight against racism because all I knew how to do was fight because I came from the South Bronx, you know. So, 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 so what, what ended up happening was, and this is documented in 84, the entire neighborhood came to kill me. When I walked mm. out of the school, and you're right, it was the neighborhood. It wasn't the kids in the school. Right. Right. I'm looking at adults pulled up in yeah. cars, yeah. right? And I'm sitting there going, all this for me? Like the whole block was full of people that were there like, we're gonna get him because he's a problem. Right. Because he's beating yep. up, I'm beating up the kids in the school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so now I called, you know, I was part of the Zulu Nation. So I called Bambada. I was like, listen, man, I got a problem up here, right? So a bunch of Zulu came, right? And then I called my father, right? My father was OD gangster. I said, Dad, they're trying to kill me out here. So what ended up happening, it was to, to make the story short, it was, it was one block. All of the neighborhood was in the block. Then the Zulu Nation was outside of that. And then the police was outside of that, mm. right? Mm. And then my father, they let my father drive down the block with five cars with men with shotguns. Mm. And he was like, let my son out of the effing school. And that was the deal. And you're so right. It wasn't the kids in the school. Yeah. No. It was a community. Adults. Right. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that and that's terrifying. I, yeah. I totally identify what you're saying. Wow. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so us, you know, that that part of the Ballside Middle story is to say that we know today a lot of young men and women are dealing with Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. and those type of issues. We found through our community coaches, community centers, after school center, night center, mm -hmm. um, our teams, uh, tournaments, people running grassroots events for us. Um, and really some of us having some opportunity to leave New York here and mm -hmm. there to play but 95% of what we did was in the borough of Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Some of us every once in a while went to Manhattan or Queens for competition, but we, within our borough, we were able to find, find outlets. And it wasn't only just basketball. There was, you know, just the way we played, the way we, you know, created imagination, whether it was Skelly or Marbles. Yeah, or man. Wow, or talk about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just kind of kept busy. Mm. And um, I, I am a, a product of NYCHA. I lived in mm. the Freeport houses and I lived in the Vanderbilt houses. Okay. So I grew up, you know, from baby through through NYCHA. And my experiences in NYCHA were just, I could just always remember the kids just hanging out in front of the building. Mm. And then just creating opportunities and games and playing ball. The first time I played ball was at a garbage can. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> yep. when you think about... Out, out the way we grew up and the yeah. way we just kind of got through, you know, we didn't know we were poor because everybody was feeling the same thing. Mm -hmm. We all had one or two pairs of sneakers. We all, you know, jumped fences. We all, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it brings me to a question, right? When did you move out of NYCHA? I moved out of NYCHA, well, let's call, when I moved to Linden Plaza mm -hmm. in, in uh, East New York, it was sort of like an apartment building, but it still felt like NYCHA. Okay. You know, so because uh, it was a ton of kids in the, in the so, building. So what? I'm, what was the differences that you that you know in like in services 
in NYCHA, right? So now you're living in NYCHA, so we're talking about the 70s when you were living yep. in NYCHA? Yep. So were the services different? Did they maintain the apartments? Like, what was that like, the environment? I, I think our apartments were fine. We, did, we didn't have any <laughs> issues hot water or heat. Yep. I never recall any issues of that nature. The, the laundry room mm. was safe. Ten, you know, yeah. We went down to the basement, washed our clothes. It was no problem. Paint job every three years. Every once yeah. in a while. That totally was different. us. Yep. That was us playing with the elevator too much, mm. but it wasn't necessarily that. I, I would say when I got when I got older and I was a young adult, and I would go into NYCHA, I started seeing you know right after the crack epidemic, the I started seeing a lot more deterioration yeah. of mm. the yep. projects. Yeah. You know, you know that's what we call them, the projects. Mm. Right. Um, <laughs> with stuff going on in the in the hallways and 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 it was less supervised. I just think our parents in the community. Mm. No matter where we live, we cared about our facilities. You could yeah. not piss in the hallway. You right. could not do those right. things because somebody's mother's going to slap you upside your head yeah. right. and then tell your mom. That's mm. right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's also a major. It's also. I'm sorry. It's also a major disinvestment throughout the decades that has caused the deterioration of public housing. You know, because yes, we did. Like you said, I grew up. I grew up in public housing too in the uh, South Bronx in McKinley houses, and it was clean. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you know, we, we everybody took. It was community. Everybody took care of one another and looked out for one another. Your babysitter, even though you was a young kid, but you know, we had a babysitter because my mother didn't want us to be in the house alone. So you know, we had Miss Blunt, God rest her soul. Right. We would go over there. You know. <laughs> Uh, my brother and I, we were in junior high school and, and elementary and had a babysitter So while my parents were working. But it was community, so just the disinvestment has really hurt um, mm. NYCHA. And as you said, Mr. Booth, just the fact that uh, the parents, and we took care of our community, right? We didn't right. allow all of this to happen. Right. Like, you couldn't even play in the grass, right. you know, and all of that right. stuff. But now it's like whatever you want to do, you do. But we, we I, I still live in public housing and another development now, but the whole thing is we have to take back our communities ourselves as right. residents, you know what I'm saying? And, and become organized and with other organizations right. and also fight for the funding because the disinvestment is what really deteriorated our, our homes. Yeah, I just remember yeah, I going to my cousin Wally's house. I was going to my cousin Wally's house. He lived in Wagner mm. on first Avenue and listen, there was no problem with heat. You right. know, yeah. they had to leave the windows open. Yeah. You know, I mean? too much heat now. Right. Actually, the radiators were so hot. You yeah. had to be careful. The touch yeah, yeah, you that's know? still in some places. Yep. Oh, okay. Some places, but, and some you know, don't have heat. You mm -hmm. said important words like community, mm -hmm. right? And um, and I think that one of the messages we intend to leave uh, at the end of this four-part documentary is is about how we as a community. Yeah. Um, lived and how we mm -hmm. were able to take care of ourselves and whether that that community was uh, us going into a community of hate and how we as mm. at, uh, students not just athletes students stuck together right. to, to survive that we built a community to say nobody's getting left behind right everybody runs or everybody stays in fights yeah uh, when we're back home the gang community really didn't bother us athletes because they said these guys got promise they're gonna make it. Right. Mm -hmm. I know Stan. Stan lived in one of the most craziest yes. you know, projects mm -hmm. that we were all afraid to go to. Yeah, Lafayette Gardens was no joke mm -hmm. at all. You're right, Craig. You're right. You know, Lafayette Gardens was like 
I went to a party at LG. I stayed like 10 minutes and I was gone. <laughs> I was so afraid. I yeah. said, nah, this might not be for me. Yes. So, yeah. so, so, so that community thing, I think, is what we want to try to kind of send that message. Mm-hmm. Take pride in your community. Exactly. Let's rebuild the community. Yeah. And investing mm-hmm. is important because we had PAL. Right. My mm-hmm. first basketball coach was a white Irish cop. Mm-hmm. He was a cop. I was 10 years old, New York City cop. And he invested his time into our community at Foster Park. And he gave me opportunities that, I, I you know, I wish I could run into this man and thank him. Wow. But again, what happened to PALs? Mm-hmm. They kind of dissipated. Yeah. You know, then everything else is about you got to pay money to go to a recreation center. Exactly. You got to pay money to do this. You got to pay money for everything. Yeah. Where was the investment in the yeah. sponsors? All of that stuff went away. Even right. our community right. centers in NYCHA, a lot of them are closed or we can't even. Before this pandemic, you know, we couldn't access yeah. it for our kids. But I have a question for you, okay? Sure. So I wanted to know how has this COVID-19 pandemic impacted the way you are putting together this masterly documentary? Oh, great question. So, you know, we're resilient people and... Uh, again, we prayed on coming to Brooklyn, and we made, uh, I think, about five or six trips back home to Brooklyn. I now live in Northern Virginia, outside okay. of D.C. And we came back, and it was overwhelming response. Um, I mean, I know when we interviewed Stan, it was just like he didn't even know we were in town, and he got a quick call. Yep. He said, okay. man, I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> right there, right there, right in the morning, yep. So that, that type of... Um, responsiveness that we got from the brothers that actually went through this with us in that era. And they were just so willing to talk and nobody was in there talking about how many points they scored or who they beat or who was the best player. They just came to share something that, that we opened up their minds to say, reflect back from the age of 12 to 18, 19, Mm. you know, just think about those years and think about what, the community was like and what we all went through. And when people had that opportunity just to share a little bit, it was overwhelming. So the pandemic played zero part in us being able to get people to get in front of the camera and tell stories. Awesome. When okay. it restrict us though mm. is when we went to um we wanted to go deeper into certain communities mm-hmm. and maybe get perspectives of strangers that we didn't know but lived in that era. Okay. I think we only were able to get like one or two old heads, as we would call them, okay. guys that's in their late 60s, 70s that remember us when we were little mm-hmm. and were able to share some perspective. But we really kind of had to distance ourselves. We did a lot of shooting early in the mornings. Okay. Uh, we did have some afternoon shootings, but... Most of the uh, filming was done early before people was really coming outside. Mm. Uh, we try to social distance as best we can. We broke a rule or two. I'm not going to lie because you'll <laughs> see it in the film. Mm. We're next to each other a little bit. Mm. But no one got sick from from what we've done. Everybody's healthy. My, my crew is healthy. And um, and I thank God for that because yeah. we, we just prayed on it. And God knows the importance, I believe, the importance of this story. Mm-hmm. And I'm no preacher. I'm no pastor. Mm-hmm. I'm just a spiritual man that mm-hmm. believes, you know, in the man upstairs. Okay. And, and some of these things happen without your control. That's right. But he provided us with an overwhelming response. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the COVID thing is just like a game. 
we if they say Kobe was on the court, we'd be like, all right, we playing anyway. So right. Okay. So on the okay. court, we shoveling the snow. That's right. You know? That's right. So all right. We went did our thing. Thank you. Thank so Claire, can you tell us a little bit about the flavor of the the, the games in the in the nights of tour, in the nights of developments? Um, how big those games were and how the community came out. Give them a little bit of, of that. No, absolutely. Uh, so, so one of the things we're going to focus on early is a tournament called Citywide. And Citywide was a youth tournament that was right across the street from Albany Projects and, and at St. John's Recreation Center, which was the mm -hmm. second recreation center built in New York City uh, after St. Mary's Recreation Center in the Bronx. And so it was mimicked and modeled after that in, in the 1950s. And Citywide was, a, was, was my first experience of playing organized tournaments with hundreds of kids. Awesome. And each borough had a Citywide tournament. And then the winners would meet and play ultimately at Madison Square Garden. It was just that supported, mm. that sponsored. We're also going to talk about Brevoit Houses. And Brevoit had one of the top tournaments in the country yeah. called uh, the Brevoit, Brevoit Sports Foundation. And that was the only tournament at the time, and there may be some other smaller ones, but the, as far as exposure and big, the Brevoit tournament was a tournament inside the projects. It was the only tournament that was in the projects. Most of the tournaments were like on the exterior or like at St. John's, it was across the street. This was okay. inside the project with lights at night. Okay. And those courts. Anybody get shot? Those basketball courts. <laughs> yeah, those guys at the Brevoit Coliseum. And uh, it, it was phenomenal. I mean, you know, Eric Short played in that, mm. uh, did very well. And he's one of the poster guys in it. But at the end of the day, it was such a phenomenal environment. Teams from Baltimore, Philadelphia would come mm. in and compete against our best. And that Brie Boy, they used to have the Harlem Wizards there. They had halftime shows. They had play-by-play. -play. They had food mm. in this small little coliseum. And, mm. and, and it became such a, a big thing for New York City housing. Wow. Well, how did it fall apart? People stopped sponsoring it. They yeah. stopped investing in it. And it yeah. fell apart. It only lasted about three or four years. Wow. Then we had Lafayette Gardens, another one, you know, down down in the community. It became a huge tournament. We sort of one about end of summer tournaments. It, it, it wasn't in the beginning of summer. It was more towards the middle to the end. But the competition and the talent there, and nobody cared about what was going on at night across the street. Right. Everybody went there and balled. It was a place where we all convened. So you had, you know, the projects or the New York City public housing. Yeah. Thankfully, every single one had a court or some sort of playground. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it was an opportunity to distract us and give us something to do for hours at a time. I would leave my house and be in a park from like seven, eight in the morning mm. to like four or five in the afternoon, just because, and all I needed was a honey bun and a Pepsi and I was good right. and I could stay there all day. And so that experience was beautiful. But then again, I sometimes wonder that did they create all these parks in all of these different, you know, public housing so they, they could see where we're all at because it's mm -hmm. an easy place to surveil everybody, right? Everybody's in the park. <laughs> right. Everything that's going to go on is going to go on in that park. So maybe that was a good... But, it, you know, if it worked for surveillance or if it worked for us to have something to do, it was a win-win. I, I can give you a little history on that. <clears throat> Actually, sure. the the um the way that the housing developments were developed, they called them towers in the park, right? Mm -hmm. So when we were coming out of the tenement phases, right... Because um, in the 30s, when they started building these buildings, the tenements were right on the street. The stoop was right on the street. But if you notice, most developments, you have to go into the development to go into the building. So 
the 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 concept was uh, I believe a French uh, designer's concept, and it was and it's called the the actual term the term is towers in the park. So it was always like that, you know what I'm saying? That they, they deliberately did build it like that, you know what I'm saying? And I guess wow. the, the result was, you know, we were able to see you. We were able to monitor you at, at all times. But um, chat room is live for you. Um, Kim said, um, she said, what are your future plans? Go. Oh, so we're in editing now for the documentary. Our goal is to do a couple of things before we get to distribution. Uh, one, we're going to be producing some timeouts. They're like little shorts from the documentary. Okay. So when we see very um, eye-opening stories, we've, we've kind of pulled them out and expanded upon because obviously we have so much content, we can't give it the attention that we want. So we pull it out and we call a timeout and we okay. present that. Our first timeout will be dropping very soon. I, I can't <laughs> tell you. Okay. It could be dropping in hours or it could be dropping in a day. But I think it's going to be dropping in hours because they're up in the editing room right now completing the final touches on the first time out, which I think will be compelling. Mm. And I think you all will be very pleased with the story that we're going to present. How then much? we're also going to produce another couple of timeouts between now and the end of the year. And our goal is to complete the editing by mid-January. And we are going to seek distribution. So okay. uh, we've had a preliminary conversation with the uh, NBA because they saw the trailer mm. and they liked it. So okay. hopefully we can share the documentary with them first and see if they would be interested. Awesome. Um, it would be awesome to mm. be like the last dance, right? Mm. NBA backs it, yeah. ESPN shows it for a little while, and then yeah. it sits on Netflix, right? That would be awesome. Yeah, be but, great. you know, I'm learning this whole distribution game. Right. But the great thing about it, uh, one of our partners is a guy I used to work with, a uh, former CEO of a Fortune 50, mm. and um, he's okay. very uh, business astute. Uh, understands capital markets and all that other good stuff and has a lot of good friends in Hollywood. So we kind of take a little bit of a corporate route to, okay. to kind of present our film. Awesome. And um, so that's the plan there. And then afterwards, we're, we have so many people that reached out to us to say, what's the next story or what's mm -hmm. the next documentary? Right. I'll tell you this, we probably won't do a four hour documentary going forward, probably just stick within the one, 30 minute to one hour. Mm -hmm. But we're looking at the borough Queens, we're looking at Manhattan, we're looking at the Bronx. Uh, we, 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 wanna, we wanna give each borough some of the same opportunities right. for that particular era and mm. showcase those errors. Awesome. And then the other thing we wanna do is um, we wanna do some feature films. So we, we have a couple of characters or people that's coming out of the documentary that are like Coach Carter type people, mm -hmm. or there's glory days type stories. Wow. Um, and we want to be able to maybe, you know, do a feature film. Um, so I fell, fell into this filmmaking stuff. <laughs> I am a natural storyteller. I tell stories all day. Okay. Um, but I, I, I would love to just continue to make more films. Wow. How, that long is awesome. is the, how long would the timeout that will drop eventually, the first one, how long would it I be? I think it's about 14 or 15 minutes. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah, and I think it's a very compelling story. And and, and I tell you, you yeah. know, when we dropped the trailer, mm -hmm. and if you haven't seen the trailer seen it's on it. YouTube, mm -hmm. Ballside Middle, seen it. Yeah. official trailer, mm -hmm. uh, it's two and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. um, I cried when mm -hmm. I first seen the trailer completed mm -hmm. by the editing team yeah. uh, because it, it, it nailed sort of the sentiments of what we're talking about. 
Awesome. And then when we laid down the first opening of the documentary and the first, we have them in four episodes. We're calling them four quarters, simulating a basketball game. And the first quarter, I mean, I got emotional again. There's parts of this thing because it's so rooted in my core. And even though I've been on location, I've been interviewing, I'm narrating, I'm, I'm filming, um, and, and I've lived it, but to see it come together in, in, a, in a cinematography sort mm -hmm. of way, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's compelling, it, it's awesome. moving. So, but, but the great thing I think most people appreciate about the documentary, uh, and, and this is where you know, the negotiation on the distribution and all that is the music. Mm. Uh, we're, we're, we're bringing back the music from the 70s ah, and 80s. Okay. And, and Craig, you, you, you can do that without, there's no copyright issues? Um, no yeah, problems. there is. Yeah, so they're getting the license. Yeah. You can either license the music, you can, you can actually sample the music, but you have to negotiate with the uh, publishing arm. Mm. And so, so it can be, it can be expensive. And it could be not expensive. Mm. Depends on the artist and the publisher. But it's so but, worth um, it. It's so worth it for this. It's right, because so the music plays a big Absolutely. part of the story. You get correct. Yep. Absolutely, it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, to hear Rock Creek Park mm -hmm. or oh, to hear man. music, wow. stuff like that. You know, it's worth it. And then it, and it goes with the stories and the introduction. Because think about our movies back in those days, whether it's Shaft. Slaughter, mm. coffee, or Foxy Brown. Ooh, you know, the Pam Graham. Pam Graham. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the music was it, baby. Mm -hmm. You need that music. And so. He didn't say Dolomite, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him Dolomite? <laughs> Come on, baby. You can't forget about Dolomite, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, 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 back, yeah, man. Yeah, he so, did that himself. Mm. Man did it himself. Exactly, right. <laughs> so that's what we're going to try, uh, attempt to do. And, and hopefully, the distributor sees the importance of the music. And we'll make that investment in the music. So, I mean, we initially was going to do it without, you know, with, with our own original music or, or find, you know, free music out there. But um, we were advised to just go for it. And then we think we got a hot, pretty epic story. And yeah. we believe that um, anybody that wants to be a part of this and partner with this film, mm. that they would want to keep that music. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and without that music... It would it would taint the authenticity a little the, bit. You yes. know what I mean? Because it the music is what it is. You know that that was the soundtrack to our lives, right there. So it was and not, not to mention doing the games themselves. <laughs> yeah. It's often a DJ. You know, so while you're playing, the music would be playing while we playing ball. Yeah. The music was part of the of the whole thing. So yeah, you got to have the music. That, that played right. a big part. <laughs> I can talk about Brooklyn in the 70s and not have love as a message. Right. right. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's yeah. Not, it's just not possible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That was a soundtrack okay. to our lives, baby. Yeah. Right. We was doing that. But we're at the hour, and it was a very easy hour yeah. and very entertaining. Yeah. I got to tell you, bro, I mean, I am so, you know, glad that you're, that you're telling this story, mm -hmm. you know, and... When, when they brought it to me, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know where the story was going. I knew it was a basketball story, and I'm like, all right. And then you just, what, I, what I'm enjoying is I became engulfed in the story, and I haven't even seen the story. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that means it's a great story. You know, <laughs> when you can talk about the story, and it's entertaining, then damn, what's going to be on the film must be crazy. So real quick, Craig, can you tell folks some of the NBA ball players that came out of Brooklyn that's featured in, this, in your documentary? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So there were 30 guys that played in the NBA mm. in wow. New York during that era. Um, just to name Sick. a few real quick, we had uh, a Hall of Famer and Chris Mullen. Yeah. And yeah. Played against him. Mm -hmm. 
we had the two top high school players in the country at one time, Dwayne Pearl Washington yep. and Albert King. Okay. Uh, we had um, NBA players that we got on camera, Rolando Blackman, mm -hmm. uh, Stu Granger, Jerry Ice Reynolds, John Sally. Yeah. Um, John Sally. Sally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> came through. Sally came through. Uh, Jeff Houston. So we kind of wanted to bring in some guys that normally don't get camera time mm. and, and, and guys that, uh, you know, you know, world be free and all those guys are available, but we wanted to kind of go a little bit different angle. We'll mention everybody from Sam Worthen to world be free, fly wins, all those guys mm. will get their props in the documentary, uh, which is really in our fourth part. But at the end of the day, um, when you see the Rolando Blackman stuff, <laughs> man, he, he's a deep brother mm. and he's his passion about how he lived and what he went through in Brooklyn. Mm. And we're not talking about none of their NBA stats. Mm. We're talking <laughs> about their youth, awesome. how they grew up in Brooklyn. And yeah. that's important. Powerful. So yeah. uh, I love it. Yeah. But we got 30 guys, you know, that, mm. that really did their thing. Hall that's of Fame, phenomenal. Is a Hall of Famer, Connie Hawkins, oh, Fred, wow. Roger Brown, they all were Hall, Hall of Famers. They all played wow. in the NBA. I'm telling you, it's a beautiful fraternity. Uh, once Craig created, you know, I, I'm, I find myself every day going on Facebook and looking <laughs> at the old pictures um, and hearing the stories. It really is a beautiful community, like a fraternity. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I'm yep. thankful, Craig, that you created that, you know, because it really brings all of us together and have, have a share. Yeah. But we all share as kids. It's awesome. I would say, Stan, I think I opened the door and y'all all went through. Right, right, <laughs> right. And I'm so I'm gonna take full to credit it. for it. Yeah. I just think it's just, I opened the door because it's heavy on my heart to tell the story about all the stand like you and I, we've done things on the music side. Sure. I mean, I got so many relationships with all of y'all and, and, and it's like hundreds of you guys I have relationships with. So that's why I say, I'm going to bring my boys and, uh, and some female, we talk about cheerleaders. We got the, Oh Arizona yeah. Cheerleaders. Yeah. That's right. Right. right, right. Cheerleaders. <laughs> we, we talk about the Dutchman. Those girls were, in our opinion was, doing mm. that thing in the 70s so wow. but yeah it was just really opening up the door and, and providing the opportunity for you guys to just say wow that was a special time in our lives wow yeah that is wow yeah, I, I, I can't wait i can't wait so well, if i could just give a shameless plug mm -hmm. uh, please www.ballsidemiddledoc.com can you say that again my phone rang go again c.com say it one more time because my phone rang say it again Ballside Middle DOC, one word, ballsidemiddledoc.com. And then our YouTube is Ballside Middle. And our Instagram is Ballside Middle Doc. And then we have, if you want to get Ballside Middle gear, one of our Brooklyn Knights former players, Rick Davis, is uh, doing our gear. It's called ballsidegear.com. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Listen, big shout out once again. Brother Booth, it has been a pleasure. Yes. You, Thanks, Craig. Thanks, you, Craig. You really made this kind of easy. Yeah. Al Solomon said, thank you, Booth. Uh, <laughs> someone text Apache James Brown. Loves the message. Mm -hmm. uh, Ruck is in Harlem. I'm seeing in the chat room. Uh, Les Miller is like, my dude. Uh, <laughs> Kim's like, the music was lit. Uh, Eric Short, grateful. Healthy community interaction. I mean, you had a lot of um, a lot of people responding to you in yeah. the chat. I know you can't see it, but I can see it. Um, okay. And uh, they've been they've been on here supporting you for the last hour, bro. So, 
Listen, awesome. you're welcome to come back anytime. Yeah, Craig, I'm gonna be calling you. you know, when the, when the documentary come drops, you got to come back on. Yeah. Okay, yeah. during the release, yeah, let's promote it right Absolutely. here. Yeah, let's go yeah. on and promote it, man, and let's let's do what we can to support the movie, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you for having me, and keep doing what you guys are doing. Yeah. Very positive program, and I'm, I'm going to be tuning in. And I'm right, looking forward you, to that masterly, as I said, masterly film. So yeah, that's that's going to be powerful. A little bit I've seen so far. It's really no, like, great. it's yeah, it's, it's going to take a lot of people back. Yeah. All right. Booth Box, my man. All right, gang, that was a that was a yeah. really quick hour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a really that was good just now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Exemplify the whole Brooklyn culture, which I love. Yeah. yeah I you went know. to high school in Brooklyn, so I could connect to some <laughs> of the some stuff. Some right. Yeah. I enjoy that. I, I did. just yeah. you know, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. That was my days. Too. I didn't a little know. Little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit. Took us mm-hmm. back in time. Yeah. Woo! Boy, did he. So um mm-hmm. uh <laughs> It's kind of hard Powerful. to come back now, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you know, when something's so dope, like, you you don't want, you know, like, you don't want to open for somebody. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, you felt like, you know, and now I'm closing for them, and I'm like, I'm speechless. You know right. what I mean? It was just like that. Um, So what do we got going on next week, guys? What's the conversation? Any guests we have coming in? I just want to kind of do a, a quick uh, tease thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we have any guests coming in, just kind of mention it now. Because <clears throat> now we're on these multiple That's platforms. It's kind of all happening. Not yet, but we, we'll be promoting something during the week. But yeah, okay, some fair things enough. Some things gonna work. Some things gonna work. So. And guys, just um, make sure that um, check out the like little commercials that we're doing now that we're, we're starting to promote the show and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And up, uh, oh, George May just popped in. He said Booth is doing it. That's George <laughs> May. Yeah. All right, and um, listen, yeah. anything you guys are doing any uh, this week that you want to promote? Um, yeah, well, I just want folks again to <clears throat> tune in to the um, the tenant. The 10 and uh, T10 tomorrow. I'm going to read out the number one more time. Yep. It is, um, you dial 929-436-2866. And this is the Zoom meeting, right? It's a Zoom meeting, right. The meeting ID is 862-3944-3810. The password is 892-114. We're going to have Kristen Hackett um, explaining what the blueprint really is about. Yeah, so please come on, get get involved because this is serious. You know, they're really trying to end public housing for real. Okay, so it's not it's not the, the Jay Z blueprint. No, it's not the Jay Z. It's, <laughs> no. it's not the Jay Z blueprint. It's not Hover. It's just, it's uh, ain't Hove, baby. It's, it's Greg yeah, Russ. Yeah. So we need we need to really stop this, and we have yeah. a chance to stop it. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, well, fair enough. Yeah. Well, anything going on with you? Uh, Shauna Kay, who's been very quiet. Well, next not, week is going to be like my official last week of school. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, okay. So I'm going to be graduating. Oh, yes, yes. Shauna Kay, hold on, wait, wait. I don't think I should clap for that. Hold on, wait. I don't think I should clap for that. Hold on for one we second. I hope Shannon stays with us. Now. Exactly. Yeah, you know, absolute best intern we could possibly have. Yeah, so I don't know if I should be so clapping much. for your departure because yeah. it might mean you're departing from us. <laughs> Oh, so, no, I would never depart from you guys. Right. I had so much fun. This was and a very nice too, journey so. with you guys. I learned yeah. a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. I love it. Okay, all awesome. right. So, you know, after school, you're welcome to come back. That's what internships yeah. are about, yeah. really. Uh-huh. Right? You connect with, you know, in the professional yeah. world. And the professional world goes, come on, let's run. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then it turns into something. So, yeah. you know, don't be a stranger. Sandrea, what you got going on? Yeah, and just, yeah, we, I know I'm going to see her because when I did my internship in 2017 with the nursing home, I stayed on until the pandemic. Right. And I still virtually do some work with the pastoral services department. So when you are doing something and you find a love for people and the team is powerful, 
it's like whenever you could come through, mm. we we would appreciate it. Um, nothing much. Just my same old, same old. But um, tomorrow, I will be. Um, we having our first social justice committee meeting on the community board, community okay. board eight, and I'm the co-chair. So our first meeting is six thirty. So that's basically it, and you know, just some more stuff that we'll be talking about All on right. Sunday. I was thinking about um, you know, because now we're going into the holidays, we're going into um, Christmas and stuff, and um, normally. What I do is um, I take off for Christmas, and mm-hmm. you know, and I call that the end of the season, right? right, right. But I ain't feeling that this year. This year we're gonna work through Christmas. I'm this year we're gonna celebrate Christmas <laughs> on the air with people. With yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're gonna celebrate New Year's on the okay. air with people. Okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? Let's, let me look at this calendar now. What we, days for we, Sunday? We're we gonna, gonna have a one night your Christmas Sunday, party on the air right with the people. Now. All right, let's do it. <laughs> okay. That's what we're gonna do. I'm not this year. I'm not taking off. You know okay. what I'm saying? I really That's wanna. Cool. I wanna be with everybody. You know, during this time, and you know, and y'all can hit the chat room or whatever. But even more so, participate in the party that we're doing. I, I can't guarantee you that the conversation will be 100% coherent, or about, or even about nature. You know what right. I'm saying? Sometimes you might just want to do something light. You know, we're just talking about Christmas and what Christmas was like in night, Jen. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. And just like, let's go back and have a little bit of fun. You know what I'm saying? I'm and, then, yeah. and then we'll do New Year's, you know, celebrate New Year's. I'll figure out how to do that. You know, I would actually like to, you know, do probably a New Year's Eve show. Um, I just got to figure out how to do it. You know what okay. I'm saying? And, and sort of bring all the shows in and kind of rotate people show, out. Right. Yeah, yeah we'll do like, shows, we'll yeah. bring everybody in, you know what wow, I'm saying? Just kinda, yeah. Okay. And just kind of rotate everybody in and out, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? We do a champagne toast at 12 o'clock, whatever. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, we'll go on, let's say, maybe about 10 and we'll rock from like 10 till, you know, midnight and celebrate New Year's with, with all of our shows. That's interesting. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It's just pretty much like wrapping up the whole year, which is a good concept. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do that. Let's wrap up the whole year. He's, he's thinking out loud. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. after that, I'm gonna have to, and then I'm going to have my birthday party, January 2nd. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's right. Okay. 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 I'm looking at calendars now. I'm having right. that on air, too. Okay. So. Okay. Right. That's, <laughs> a, that's a Saturday. All right. Yeah, so yeah, he said, "Yeah, let's have a rocking eve." That's right. That's what we're gonna do, Kim. We're gonna rock out. So listen, this is one night. Here. We had a great time. It was yeah. a great show. Next week, same bad time, same yeah. bad channel. Look yes. For the countdown. Four o'clock, <laughs> and now we have a countdown clock. So you guys will probably get a notification about fifteen.